Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hi, everybody. Mike Woods here, one of the founding members of FMG Suite. Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors presented by FMG Suite. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Steve Sandusky, who's CEO of Steve Sandusky Advisor Network. Steve's firm shows reps how to reach that quality of life balance using his firm's P3D approach. He coaches reps on their philosophy, their purpose, their plan, and teaches them how to have the discipline to stick with the three Ps. Steve and I start off by talking about the top factors that hold advisors back from reaching that next level of success. It can be a difficult process for a rep to define what success is, but Steve's firm is able to walk them through the process of identifying where they are now and where they want to be. Steve and I have a great discussion about creating a podcast. Steve has created more than 500 podcasts in the past few years, so he has a good idea about what works and what doesn't. We end the discussion on Bitcoin, and I know most of you have some restrictions on what you can say and how you can say it, but Bitcoin isn't going away. And if nothing else, Steve and I offer a great introduction to the digital asset. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Spread the word. Steve, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to join our podcast today. Well, I'm happy to be here. Looking forward to it. Oh, awesome. Well, Steve, I enjoyed checking out your website, particularly the About Steve section. A uh, lot of fun facts about Steve, um, including the push-up fact. Now I've, got, now I've got a mark to shoot for with my push-up work. Um, so that is awesome. I, I, that's a real clever section. I think they add to a website because it really helps personalize, um, uh, pers- uh, add a personalized segment. Um, yeah, well, I appreciate that. The, the central theme on the on the the website though is the is your practice really, which is coaching financial advisors how to build that thriving business with a great quality of life using your firm's P three D process. So, can you take a few minutes and uh, give listeners an overview of your background and introduce them to the P three D process? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think we got to go back a number of years to when I first got started in business coming out of graduate school. And so I start, basically started out with working for three Fortune 500 companies, companies like Caterpillar, Hewlett Packard, and uh, American Express, a subsidiary of American Express. So my initial background was really in the corporate area, the finance area, when I was working for Hewlett Packard, I was out at their headquarters out in Palo Alto in Silicon Valley back in uh, 1989, 1990. So had uh, some interesting uh, experience and exposure out there before the internet hit, which was interesting. So yeah, boy, then are, I got it. Those are great. Yeah. Those are great brand name companies. That's awesome. Yeah. So so certainly learned a lot. But I always wanted to get into the financial industry ever since I was in high school when I bought my first stock. But I really didn't have the right opportunity until 1993 when I joined Securities America back when it was a pretty small independent broker dealer and uh, spent the rest of the 1990s there. And me and a couple other folks helped start their corporate RIA back in late 1993. And over the course of the six, six and a half years, we built that up to about 1.8 billion in assets under management. Wow. And then uh, from there left and uh, did another gig with another company, ran an RIA for a, a while and oversaw 
uh, South Dakota Trust Company and uh, a variety of different things that was part of another organization, did that for a year and a half. And then kind of one of the the formative experiences uh, beyond the time at Securities America was when I partnered with Ron Carson. I think you and maybe a lot of your listeners are familiar with Ron. And so he and I joined forces in 2001 and uh, Ron had the company at the time. And then we decided to start a coaching business. And so we called it Peak Advisor Alliance. And so I ran that business as the, uh, the, the managing partner of that for about 11 or 12 years. And we built that from zero coaching clients up to about a thousand wow, by the time awesome. I left there. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a, it was a great run and we built something really cool and it's still going great guns today under the name Carson, uh, Carson coaching. So, yeah, so that was a great experience. And then from there decided it was time to, to branch out on my own and uh, started Belay advisor. And that's really the corporate name of the the work that I do with some of the coaching that I still do today, as well as the media work that I do through podcasting and content marketing. And then I also have another company that I'm a partner in with Mitch Anthony called ROL Advisor, which right. provides digital discovery tools for financial advisors. Right. Uh, the, re the return on life with Mitch Anthony. Yeah, we're going we're yes. gonna, gonna to touch on that a bit in the podcast today. Yeah. And then in terms of the coaching piece, sure. uh, you mentioned, yeah, so I'll just very briefly talk about that. So um, I basically have this, this philosophy that I call P3D, and it stands for philosophy, people, and plan. And then we wrap that around discipline. So when you put all that together, it leads to superior results. And so it's really a methodical coaching framework that is designed to work with financial advisors who we just really get clear on what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And then we set about systematically trying to accomplish that. And so the, the P, the first P there is philosophy. That's really about trying to codify what your, your business philosophy is, what your business, uh, your business uh, belief system is, and what it is that makes your firm unique. Uh, the second P is about people. We want to make sure we got the right people in place doing the right things. And then the third is about plan. We want to make sure that we've got a business plan in place and that we are reviewing that on a regular basis and making adjust adjustments as needed. And then we kind of wrap all of that around this idea of discipline in that you really have to be disciplined in the execution, disciplined in the follow through to make sure that everything is getting done the way that it should be done. And when you do all those things, uh, good things tend to result. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that first P philosophy that is um, uh, over, over the years as I've worked with financial advisors, that is one of the hardest things for them to do or to help, hardest thing for them to articulate about their practice is their philosophy, their niche, how they work in it. Uh, when you work with, uh, when you, when you start coaching someone, is that an area that you find that they, uh, they, they, they struggle with, or they have more, or are they, are they, getting, are they getting more of a feel for it? Yeah. So I, the, the angle that I take when I talk about philosophy, what I'm talking about is what is it that you uh, believe? What is mm. the, the purpose? What are the values? And so I really break it down into four parts. So I, I really do this before we even get into the business plan part of it, because I want to understand who you are, what makes you tick, what are you trying to do with this thing that you call your business? And so there's four parts to coming up with what I call their guiding philosophy. So the first part is an exercise where 
I have a question, and the, the question is, what I know to be true is, and then the advisor answers that, mm-hmm. and then and then I say, because, and you say, what I know to be true is that every client should have a financial plan, because, and then you say, well, because I have found that every client of mine that has a financial plan has better financial outcomes. Okay. So I'm just making that sure, up. Interesting. Right. But that's kind of the, the template. What I know to be true is, and then because, and then I ask the advisor to answer that 15 times. And so what I'm really trying to get at is what do you know to be true and why do you know that to be true? So I'm really trying to get the core of what you believe. So that's the first piece. And then the second piece is a values clarification exercise. So I really want to understand what are your core values that you want to stick to and that you're willing to put out there and you know go to bat for. The third is what I call your non-negotiables. And so these are the things that you're just not going to compromise on. And this helps build the culture. So um, it, it uh, you know, like in my case, it's like, always take notes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I mean, that's like a non-negotiable for me. So like if I've got a, a team member here and I'm trying to train them on something, I want them to be taking notes. You know, it's just like a little thing of mine that, uh, you know, I think you're going to learn more if you're taking notes on what I'm talking about. So that might be an example. Somebody else's non-negotiables might be completely different. So anyway, we just kind of come up with what are the things that I'm not going to compromise in my company? And then the fourth is what I call your rallying cry. And so this is just a little bit of a short motivational statement that you can come up with that you can lean on and remember and it just helps kind of get the team to rally together and make sure that you're all moving forward in the right direction. So that's really the guiding philosophy. And so when I have advisors go through this, it really causes them to spend some time thinking about what do they know to be true and what are their values and what are they not going to compromise on? And what's this little motivational, inspirational statement that they can uh, rely on as a rallying cry. And I, it's usually, it's, it turns out to be a pretty good exercise for them. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds very, uh, very, uh, very thought provoking. You know, FMG, we do a rallying cry. We have an annual rallying cry and then we have one each quarter and uh, it really helps kind of get the, the, it helps the the management team get the vision behind where the direction of the company wants to go. So I would imagine it works very similar for a financial advisor. Yeah. And I mean, I'll tell you what mine is, for example, and it's something that actually I came up with as I reflected back on when I was in high school. So in high school and college, I was a distance runner. So I ran cross country and, and track in high school and college. So anyway, so my first year in high school when I was running cross country, Something that I learned pretty quickly was that most people do not like to run uphill. And then the second (laughs) thing I learned was that once you pass somebody running uphill, they never pass you back. And so I learned that my first year of cross country. And so that became my signature move in cross country was I was going to pass people running uphill because it just gets them completely demoralized. And so as I was reflecting back a number of years ago on what my rallying cry is, it became very simple, two words, run uphill. Mm -hmm. And so that became my metaphor for if I'm willing to do things or if I'm willing to do the things that other people won't, I'll be able to 
achieve things that other people can't. And so run uphill is that thing that I just always remember like, hey, I'm running uphill. I'm going to do what other people won't. And so that's just my own personal rallying cry. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Boy, there, I, uh, I think back to my high school days, anybody that ran past you uphill, boy, you just kind of looked at them and go, oh boy, they got, they got a different chip than I do, especially when it comes to yeah, running. Exactly. Yeah. Again, it's, it's totally demoralizing <laughs> and uh, they, they, they don't pass you back. So it, it actually worked out pretty well for me in the high school and college years. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. All right, so let's uh, let's jump into one of the questions. I think we got I think we got we've got a real good idea about um, about what took you on that journey from an advisor to being a thought leader. Uh, let's let's focus on really um, when you start to work with uh, the advisors when they approach you for coaching. What are some of the factors that hold them back from success? Well, I think the first one is satisfaction, and what I mean by that is we we all typically reach a level where we become satisfied or we become complacent and so if if you're a financial advisor and you're comfortable then you got to think about okay if i say i want to grow my business well what is going to be so compelling about my life if i actually grow my business to the level that i say i want to grow it to how compelling is that going to be relative to the level of satisfaction that I'm at right now? And so I think that's a first thing that advisors need to ask themselves is, am I really motivated to do the work that's necessary to achieve what it is I say that I want to achieve? Mm, right. And oftentimes advisors will fool themselves. And I'm not trying to single out advisors. This is just anybody. No, I, I think that's that, very true. You know, yeah, I mean, we, we we love the idea of being two times or five times or 10 times bigger than we are today, but we don't love the idea of the work that's necessary to get there. And so we just have to really ask ourselves, well, what is it that I really want? And so so to me, you know, that's that's really sort of the first thing is figuring out it, what, what is it that I that I really want and do I am I motivated enough to actually do the work to try and achieve that? Boy, that is very true. I, I had a discussion with uh, a doctor friend of mine uh, just last weekend. Uh, she wants to get to a point where she's charging $300 an hour for her practice versus where she's at, which is about 150 But it's a long road between 150 and $300 an hour. And uh, it's, it's, it comes down to, are you willing to put in the time? Are you motivated to achieve that? And uh, um, that's, uh, so that, that resonates with me quite a bit. Yeah. And I also have a belief that every advisor can grow to whatever level they want and that the only thing that's holding you back is does your desire match your dream? And so again, this really just gets back to how motivated are you to actually do what it is you say that you want to do? And if you're motivated, you know, if you want to double your business or triple or quadruple or, or whatever your goal is, I have no doubt that if you're motivated enough, you will find a way to make it happen. And if you don't have the knowledge on what you need to do to make that happen, then you're going to tap somebody else on the shoulder and say, hey, can you help me do this? Because I see that you've been able to do this or you've been able to help other people do this. Can you help me do that? Okay. So if you don't know how to do it, you're going to ask for help somewhere else. If you don't want to ask for help, then you're going to figure it out yourself. You're going to do some things. You're going to try some things. You're going to fail a lot. You're going to learn some things. You're going to try something new and you're going to keep going until you actually get it done. And so if your desire's there, then you're going to find a way to make it happen. Mm, fascinating. Good stuff. 
Good stuff. Awesome. Um, you know, as I think about that, you know, the being motivated to achieve your uh, desire to match your dream, all that, uh, that, all that, that, that kind of that inspirational or that notion that you really have to kind of match up then with action. What, what could, what could some things that advisors be doing today to start becoming more successful based on, based on kind of those guiding principles? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, I could throw some tactics at you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could say, oh, you know, we've got to do some webinars. I mean, all the things that everybody knows that we need to do, you know, there's marketing things that we need to do. We need to create some kind of repeatable marketing system. And I'm not sure that that would be super helpful to those of you that are listening to this. So I want to talk more systematically mm -hmm. in terms of what I think an advisor, someone listening to this, what they should be doing if they want to be more successful. So I think the first thing I would say is you need to define what success means to you because it means different things to different people. I mean, for one person, it might mean... I want to have a lifestyle practice making $200,000 a year. I want to work six hours a day, four days a week and have three day weekends. I want to be able to take a couple of weeks off, you know, every two or three months and, you know, be with my family or, you know, whatever. So that might be success to one person. To another person, it might be, hey, I want to build a firm with a billion in assets under management or 10 billion in assets under management, or I want to be in investment news 40 under 40 person, you know, I want to be an icon. I mean, whatever, you know, so we'd have to define what success means to you. So I think that's the first step is get a clear definition of what, what that means to you. And then the second thing that I would do is I would get back to this, you know, more of the traditional idea of setting a goal or creating a vision for what it is that you're trying to do, whatever this definition of success is, project that out you know, one year, three years, five years, what does that look like? And so you've got this picture of the future that you're trying to strive toward or trying to drive toward. So you get a, a clear fix on what it is that you're trying to move toward in the future. Cause we got to know where are we going and what is it going to look like when we get there? Right. Some kind of measuring and, mechanism. Right. And then, and then related to that, we need to know, okay, if this is where I want to be in one year or three years or five years, Okay, great. Now I got to know, well, where am I right now? And where am I, you know, what is my current reality? And so we've got these two fixed points. We've got, this is where I want to be in the future. And this is where I am right now. And so there's a difference, obviously, between my current reality and where I want to be down the road. So now we've got these two points. Now, then the next thing that we need to do is we need to ask ourselves, well, what are the specific things that I need to be doing today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next quarter, in order to make sure that I can go from my current reality to this vision or this goal that I've set for myself in the future. So, you know, this is kind of basic business planning, sure. blocking and tackling, but we just have to be very clear on each of these points that we're at. We've got to be very clear on the specific activities that we need to do that are going to get us toward that ultimate endpoint. And then once we're clear on the activities, we've got to make sure that we put some due dates on each of those activities. We've got to make sure that we identify who is responsible for making sure that those activities are completed. We've got to put some type of accountability 
meeting system in place so that we can review the results on a regular basis to make sure that we're on track to hit those objectives. So yeah, so I mean, that's kind of a basic right. way to look at the business planning process to make sure that you can achieve whatever it is that you say that you want to achieve. Right. Yeah. You know, it sounds so simple, but sometimes it's so hard to execute. I I did a podcast not too long ago with an advisor. We were talking about retirement and retirement planning and how individuals could approach that. And he will ask uh, clients, what do they envision their retirement like or what's their ideal retirement? And occasionally they'll, they'll have a real, real hard time articulating what that is. So then he'll flip it around to the other side. He goes, well, what do you not want it to look like? What, what don't you want? And he sometimes finds that easier for people to answer what they don't want to do. They don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to struggle with money. They want to be able to do this. They, and, and, and they kind of back into it. When you work with advisors on this, how, how easy do those, how easy do those answers come when you propose them to people? Well, if I could just do a, a, a comment here on what you said about the retirement planning piece, I think that's a, a great example. So we mentioned earlier this ROL advisor business that I have with Mitch Anthony. Right. One of the tools that, that Mitch has created is, is this whole retirement coaching program. And that very question, when, when a client says, hey, I don't know what, uh -huh. what, what I want my retirement to look like. Well, we've got a series of tools that the advisor can walk a client through to help them envision what that looks like. And one of the tools is what we call retirement observations. And so we have two columns. And the first column is a list of things that describe people who have retired well. And then the other column is uh, people who have not retired well. And under each of those columns, there's a list of different things like has a great social life, has hobbies, um, is you know in, involved in their local community, they're physically active, you know, so on and so forth. And mm -hmm. so we just ask the client to look at these two columns and say, okay, of the people that you know who have retired, what have you observed about those who seem to be really happy in retirement? What are some things that you could see that they actually seem to have in their life? And then for those who you've observed who have not, don't seem real happy in retirement, which of these attributes do they seem to, to possess that make them not seem real happy in retirement? So, so it, you know, when you have a tool like that, right. I think it helps prompt people a little bit to figure out what is it that, that, uh, that, they might, uh, that they might envision as well. And we've got several other tools that we don't necessarily have to go into here, but just to kind of give you an example there of, of how that might work. Yeah, that sounds awesome because it is a real systematic approach then where you can kind of, you can repeat that time and time again with, uh, with your clients and prospects. Awesome. Right. Good stuff. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's jump to uh, where I want to keep, I want to keep us moving along. So I want to talk about podcasting. Podcasting is something that uh, uh, you help, um, uh, advisors out, you help them develop a program for their contact content marketing. It's, it's a crowded space, but, um, how do you, how do you get some elbow room in there? What, what can an advisor do to stand out with their own podcast? Yeah. Well, I have five different podcasts right now that I host and produce on a monthly basis. And so I've recorded almost 500 podcast episodes over the past uh, six or seven years now. So holy cow. So I've done, yeah. So, I mean, I've done a lot of these over the years and uh, one of the quotes that I just love, it, it came from Michael Lewis, the, the writer, Michael Lewis. And he said, if it's always a sunny day, it ceases to be interesting. And I think that particular quote, it applies to the podcasting business as well, because as a podcast host, 
you've got to be interesting. And, you know, we oftentimes we think, oh, well, if I just have great content or if I get, you know, the right guest, everything's going to be cool. And a lot of people are going to listen to my podcast. Well, a little bit. I mean, obviously that's going to help. I mean, that's really table stakes, but you've got to figure out how can you be different? And I'll give you an example here of Joe Rogan. So some people may have listened to, to Joe Rogan's podcast. He's got one of the most popular podcasts on the planet. Mm -hmm. Well, what does he do? Well, he gets Elon Musk on his show and they smoke weed. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, he's interviewing for the podcast while they're both getting high. You know, now I'm not recommending that financial advisors do that on their podcast and you're probably not going to get Elon Musk, but I think you get the idea that you've got to be interesting. You got to make it entertaining and you got to be talking about stuff that people are interested in hearing about. So, so I'd say a couple of things along those lines is, uh, one is that you, you need to, what I would call accentuate your eccentricities. So, so figure out what is it that's a little bit different about you and how can you accentuate that? How can you, uh, you know, make it a little entertaining? Um, you know, maybe it's the name of your podcast. Maybe it's the branding of your podcast. Maybe you have an avatar or maybe you have a logo for your podcast. Sure, right. Or maybe it's, you know, specific things that you do during each show. Maybe it's certain segments that you have during your show that are, that are fun and bring out people's personalities. So, you know, that could be, you know, an example, but just figure out what, what can make you personally interesting. Um, a second thing is that I would figure out how can you make your podcast different than all the others? And I go back to the one of my, the first podcast I started, which is called Between Now and Success. So I started that back in 2014. And it was, if not the first podcast, it was one of the first podcasts that targeted financial advisors from a practice management standpoint. And I, I pretty much had the whole market to myself back back for the first few years, had amazing guests and you know became really, really popular. Well, I just decided uh, a couple months ago that I was going to uh, basically slow down on that podcast because that whole space has become super crowded now. I mean, there's just dozens and dozens of podcasts uh, that are you know financial advisor practice management. And so um, not to say that, I mean, there's lots of good ones out there, like the one that we're talking on right here. And so there are opportunities, but you've got to figure out how can you make yours different from all the other ones out there. And I think about many years ago, uh, and Mike, you might remember this, uh, you and I might be about the same age, uh, 7-Up. Remember the Uncola advertising campaign from like the late 60s, early uh, early 1970s, where they were trying to differentiate between uh, Pepsi and Coke. And you know, while Pepsi and Coke are battling out for, you know, one-tenth of a percentage point market share, <laughs> you, you know, you've got 7-Up who says, hey, we're the Uncola. And so they're not even going to go head-to-head with the other two. They're going to take a different angle. So just like I talked about how there's lots of financial advisor practice management podcasts, that doesn't mean you can't create a successful one, but it may just mean that you're not going to go head-to-head with the most popular one in the space. You're going to find a different angle that you can go at and, you know, hit it from the side and still get a really nice audience for it. Right. 
Right. Gosh, and I guess it, you know, it all comes back to what we uh, we started off at the beginning. Really, it's it's uh, uh, what what would you be doing the podcast for? How does it fit into your overall practice? What what are you looking to achieve with it? And uh, because uh, a, a podcast like the ones that uh, the five hundred or so that you've done, this one that we do every couple of weeks, they're they're an investment of time. They take uh, they take time, dedication. There's a uh, um, the resources that are involved to pull it all off. So it's not something that uh, um, if you're going to do it, you've got to make the commitment to do it. And you really have to, you have to kind of get in there and uh, understand how it fits in your overall practice. Absolutely. And I, obviously I love podcasting. I'm a huge fan of podcasting, but for financial advisors, I think you need to think long and hard about all the things that you just described there, Mike, you've really got to figure out how does this fit into my business plan? What am I trying to accomplish with it? What are my listeners going to get out of it? How is this going to affect my business or grow my business or build my brand or whatever your objectives are? You know, don't do it just because it's like, oh, this will be fun and, <laughs> right. and, and whatnot. You know, it, 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 is, a, it is a lot of work. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a passion project. Maybe it's something that you do for fun. And, I, you know, that, that's fine, too. But just just go into it understanding what are you trying to get from it and and, uh, you know, as long as it's you're, you're getting from it what you want, then, you know, continue with it, of course. Right, right. Okay, I want to, uh, we're getting, we're getting close to the end of the podcast today. I wanted to, t I wanted to revisit uh, uh, return on life uh, advising. I wanted to return to that because I think that's a, uh, that's a, that's a, a, a part of your practice that you've evolved here with Mitch Anthony. And I wanted to give people a, a rundown of it because it, uh, it, it really talks about, that life-centered planning and 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 how to transform your client lives and it's it's you know we hear a lot about um we we see a lot i would say read a lot see a lot just about a, a purpose-driven life and 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 different avenues of 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 how you want to achieve success and define success give us give us a, a real good understanding of how that um how return on life advising works yeah, well, basically what we're saying is we're seeing the industry is making a shift from a focus on ROI to a focus on ROL. So we're moving from return on investment to return on life. And the basic idea is that we want to put the client's life at the center of the conversation, not the performance of their money. And Mitch has been a pioneer in this area for about 20 years now. Mm -hmm. And so we've taken a lot of the concepts that he's developed over the years. We've put them into digital tools and we've wrapped training around those digital tools and training around the idea of return on life and around the idea of life-centered planning. And so advisors, anybody listen to this that is interested in trying to figure out, well, how can I put more life into my conversations with my clients and how can I learn more about them? How can I have a deeper and richer discovery process so I can learn more about who this person is as opposed to the value of their accounts? And so Mitch likes to say, you know, this is not about accounts and amounts. <laughs> you know, this is really just about their life. And so we've got a really nice system and methodology that advisors can plug into that and gives them a track to run on to really focus on uh, helping clients get a greater return on life. And so to learn more, you can certainly go to roladvisor.com. And one of the things that you can do there is you can sign up for a free program where 
Uh, once you register, you'll get access to a short return on life course. And uh, we've got some videos in there that you'll get access to. So all we ask is you just give us your name and your email address, and then you'll get access to that free course. And uh, it's, it's you know a little less than an hour or so to go through the course. So not a huge investment of your time, and you can see what it's all about. And then from there, we'd be happy to to show you a demo of the system as well. Yeah, good stuff. You know, it really is a, you know, as I, as I checked out the site, it, it more talks about the, you know, the role money plays and, and, and really it's, it's, it's a tool to helping you achieve what you want with your life. It doesn't necessarily, it's, it's not driving your life. And I, I think that, it, that subtle switch as you were talking about that, that your life is the center of your planning, not the money is your center of your planning. Um, just the mere adoption of that principle leads to a much more, um, really a rewarding discussion with clients. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think for most financial advisors, the aspect of the job, the work that they enjoy the most is the conversations that they have with their clients and the relationships that they build with their clients and their ability to have an impact in their clients' lives. And I don't think there's any better way to have the impact that you'd like and to develop the kind of relationships that you enjoy the most than to really focus on this concept of life-centered planning. And so uh, a lot of advisors will say, well, I, I sort of do that, but I don't have any organized way to make sure that I'm consistently having these kinds of relationships and consistently creating this kind of impact in my clients' lives. And that's what our program does is it gives you a great methodology and an organized way to go through this so that you can consistently um, you know, operate at that level. Yeah. I think what, uh, you touch on there too, is really important about being consistent and coming back to it. I mean, I, I look at the, um, you know, the, the rise of ESG investing just in recent years and how that's become a, um, that really has become such a powerful force in corporate America and such a powerful driver on investments and how companies approach things. So it's, it's natural. You see something like that and someone's, someone may gravitate more towards that with their, with what they want to achieve with their life and what their investments and what their pursuits are. So marrying those discussions together and, and revisiting those I can see is extremely valuable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Okay. So, all right. So we're at the end. Last question, Phil. I, I I I popped on your website. I couldn't help but see that you uh, did a podcast uh, about Bitcoin. So I wanted to kind of get your take on uh, uh, Bitcoin, and 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 really kind of from an advisor's perspective, uh, many of them are. Um, constrained by the broker dealer about how they can discuss it, and uh, much like a broker dealer puts constraints on how a person would talk about gold or some or, or a commodity of some sort. So nothing really unusual, but but there is a certain fascination with Bitcoin right now. And how how do you coach people to to discuss it? Yeah, what I would say is. I, I would follow what's one of my values, which is what I call A, B, C, which is simply always be curious. Mm -hmm. And so Bitcoin, decentralized finance, non-fungible tokens, I mean, this is all digital stuff that's happening right now. And so what I recommend financial advisors do, if you've not already done this, is start learning about this you know, really dig in to Bitcoin and understand it. Now, you may think it's a Ponzi scheme, you know, you know, whatever your thoughts are, you know, sure, fine, right. put those aside, right. but you need to do the homework because the reality is 
if your clients aren't doing this on their own or they're not looking at it now, they will be. And if it's not your clients, then it's your clients' kids who are doing this. And so this stuff is not going away and it's only going to get bigger and more prominent. It's, I mean, it's obviously all over the news these days as Bitcoin hits record highs. And so you've got to get schooled in this area. So even though you may not be in a position to recommend anything, you need to clearly understand what it is so that you can talk intelligently to your clients and prospects about it. And so that really is, is the number one thing is really understand what it is so that you can speak intelligently about it. And there's all kinds of podcasts that you can plug into to do that. And I'll, I'll certainly plug mine here. Mm -hmm, <laughs> I've got right. one called the, the Digital Money Advisor Podcast. And so that's really designed to talk about digital assets and in, with a particular emphasis on Bitcoin. So I think that's a great place to start. And I, I guess the other thing I would add to this is one of the reasons why I started this Digital Money Advisor Podcast is that I think our economy, not just in the US, but around the world, is at an inflection point. And I think this is something that's been building for many decades. I mean, I think we could go back to say 1971, for example, is is an important pivotal year when the US officially went uh, off the, the gold, gold standard. standard. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, just kind of thinking about what's happened since then, we had this, you know, massive inflation in the 1970s. We had, you know, significant double digit interest rates in the late 70s, early 80s. 1982, we had the start of the great bull market, which I could argue is still going on today, even though we've we've had bear markets. But this is like since 1982, it's just been almost one nonstop bull market. Sure. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we also in the in the 1980s and 90s into the 2000s, we had the rise of China and we had the offshoring of manufacturing. We had the hollowing out of manufacturing here in the United States. And, and then in, uh, say, the last 10 years or so in particular, we've had this, well, actually not just in the last 10 years, but going back 20, 30 years, we, we've had increasing wealth inequality in the United States. Mm -hmm. We had, you know, President Obama, we had President Trump, you know, very divisive politics during both of those administrations. So, you know, and, and then we've got the January 6th riot. I mean, we got all these things. And then we've got COVID. And then we've got the central banks around the world, which have added trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars into the economy. And we've got massive asset price, price inflation. So to me, it's like you, you put all of this stuff in and something is going to break. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going to happen when it breaks. And so that's why I started this podcast to have conversations about all of these things, all these macro factors that are taking place and trying to talk to smart people and together figure out where's all of this heading. And for financial advisors in particular, I think Bitcoin and digital assets are an important part of that conversation. And so I think it's critical that advisors understand what all of this is. Again, even if you can't invest in it right now or you can't recommend it, that's totally fine. But understand what it is because your clients are going to be asking about it. And I think the, the, um, the, the 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 types of investments that financial advisors will have access to in the future is going to expand dramatically. And so I think the smartest advisors are getting ahead of that curve. They're learning about all that stuff right now so that they can be prepared when 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 something does break in the world economic system, you know, they're going to be prepared for it. Gotcha. Good stuff.
Yeah, Bitcoin is fascinating. Uh, some advisors, some reps have, uh, are constrained with what they can talk about due to compliance, but it's something that, uh, if nothing else, if you're a financial advisor, a financial representative, just from a natural curiosity perspective, uh, you've got to be interested in what's going on with Bitcoin, uh, especially when you read Elon Musk is buying some, you've got some companies that are buying it. You've got uh, you know Visa looking at it, PayPal, you have, can accept it. It's becoming more mainstream every day. It, it absolutely is. And like I said, I mean, this isn't going away. It's not <laughs> so, going away. It's uh, not going. It's not, yeah. And so, you know, we just, we just got to understand it right. and be prepared because clients are going to be asking about it. Yeah. 10, 15 years ago, it might've been going away when uh, I, I'm old enough. I'm sure you are, Steve, remember Mount Vox when Mount Vox was a big player in the Bitcoin market and they suddenly yes. lost all of their Bitcoin overnight to somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the, 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 the interesting thing, a little counterintuitive maybe is that um, Bitcoin is much less risky today than it was, you know, say 10 years ago. Oh, I mean, people say, oh yeah. gosh, I, I wish I would have bought it when it was $10 or oh. I wish I would have bought it when it was a hundred dollars. It's like, well, no, you probably wouldn't have bought it back then, you know, cause it was super risky. Cause there was, there was, you know, we didn't know if it was going to make it or not. And then you mentioned the Mount Gox, you know, the, the you know, the hack there and, and, uh, Silk Road. I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, situations that you could, you could talk about, but, but today, you know, the infrastructure is so much better and there are so many important people that are buying Bitcoin and promoting Bitcoin. So, yeah. So again, you know, who knows where it's going to lead, but ultimately I think it's important that we all understand and learn more about it. Right. Exactly. Well, Steve, great stuff today. Thanks for taking time out. Uh, a lot of good stuff for uh, advisors and reps to take a look at and kind of understand and kind of get a better handle on their practice. So, so thanks for spending time with us today on the Market in Motion podcast. Yep. Happy to do that and I appreciate it. All right. And listeners, until next time. Thank you for listening to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.